0: Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, an AWS podcast focused on personal lessons of leadership, culture, and technology from business leaders across the globe. Enjoy today's conversation.
1: Well, uh, my name is Tom Soderstrom, and I'm an enterprise strategist here at AWS. And uh, we're thrilled to have Manjula here to talk about practical advice for leaders. And of course, we're both in space, so we'll probably gravitate out in space uh, but uh uh, we're going to have an interesting discussion so would you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, iridium
0: i work for iridium as their chief information officer so when you think about truly um, the role of a cio is everything inward so anything that's financial anything that makes monetization of all the software um, ensures everybody can do their work the data The AI, all the cloud journey, that comes under my purview. We have a CTO as well, who actually is very outbound on the product side of the Mm -hmm. satellite
1: uh, industry. Fantastic. I was the chief technology and innovation officer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory for IT. And uh, it's an exciting mission, but it's all of those background things that people don't think about that means uh, to enable the space exploration and the satellites and all that. How do you deal with getting people to be socially conscious yet innovative and help Iridium in its business?
0: So I'll start with a very fundamental philosophy of mine is without mistakes, there are no innovations. So you have to allow for people to make mistakes for innovations to take place. And if I was to go back and pull something from my, you know, Purse or backpack or of mistakes. There's several that I have made. (laughs) Oh yes, Um, (laughs) you know. And and if I sit down here, I don't don't think uh, we have enough time to go through those. Right as everything. I was walking by today and I saw this quote, which was very interesting. And and I think I have lived by it unknowingly. Is Mm -hmm. without uh, mistakes, there is no positive outcome. So a very nice quote, and, and I think we need to continue to take that going forward. So for me, innovation comes from mistakes, giving people the opportunity to think outside the box. And the moment people stop making mistakes, innovation's not happening.
1: Absolutely. And uh, how, do you, how do you show your vulnerability? Well, for instance, I would start with my mistakes and I had plenty to pick from, uh, but that made it okay for other people to make mistakes. How do you deal with that? Actually, accepting you have made mistakes,
0: showing the human side of you, because mm-hmm. when people look at leaders, they think, "Oh, leaders are like on these pedestals." But you know, everybody forgets that we are humans as well, right. and we've made many a fair share of our mistakes. And and I can name a few. Uh, one of the recent ones is I was working for Early Warning, uh, implementing ZEL, <laughs> and. Um, you know, we were putting the fraud numbers, right? So, you know, you wanted to minimize the maximum number of money that that moves out. And what we had seen was people were creating fraudulent accounts and transferring money and then closing those accounts and creating new ones. So we had put a limit of $5,000 for transfer. Mm-hmm. And we had just implemented Zelle. So, you know, that was one of the largest mistakes. You know, we were actually impacting the livelihood of people when you're doing such things. So we had to find a balance of how much we were going to allow for people to uh, send each other. So that was one of the big mistakes, right? That's as recent as six years ago. So, yeah. you know, we'd make mistakes every single day, just owning up to those mistakes and saying, hey, this is this is how I made a mistake. This is what I did. You have to lean into the pain of that mistake.
1: And I think then it, it creates this culture of experimentation. Uh, I've had so many, but I'll pick one Uh I was, we built an open source rover uh, so that everybody would learn how to do engineering, science, uh, and uh, all of the pieces that go into a rover and have to work together. So we taught it to speak and follow us using Alexa. And I was giving this thing about all at JPL, about 6,000 people would say, good morning to the robot, the, the rover, and it would drive around, follow me around. So said, uh, that was the grand finale. said, good morning. And the robot said through Alexa's voice, good morning. said, okay. Turn left, dead as a doorknob. Turn right, dead as a doorknob. And I'm going, oh. So it's there. thank you, everybody. (laughs) I'm just devastated. One of the leaders come down uh, in the auditorium going, uh-oh, this is going to be bad. And he said, hey, great demo. I said, what do you mean? Didn't work. Yeah, it worked for about a second, and you dare to try. Dare mighty things. And I think that just shows the other leaders, the future leaders, that it's okay. Just experiment. I think that's what drives people, mm-hmm. um, to be able to see
0: that you know you can make mistakes and still be successful.
1: Now, one thing that we learned the hard way uh, was that uh, we did a lot of experimentations and prototypes. And in the beginning, I didn't have cybersecurity involved. That was a bad mistake. Uh, after that, cybersecurity was always involved. And it, it just sailed through if it was successful, and we didn't leak any data. How do you deal with that, with doing something as big as... Space and satellites.
0: It's it's a very very big question and and, and an important one for us to answer. Um, space has become very popular now. It in has, the last indeed. eighteen months, oh, yeah. if you think about it, you know it's it's in everybody's mind um, with with every everything you do. You know us being a telco in space. It was very obscure at, for the longest time, right? Um, it was not known, so you had security through obscurity. But it's changed now with the last 18 months of all the innovation that's happened in yeah. space and all the different companies coming and playing. It's, it's become very critical. So we, I can't say, you know what, people don't know about us. Let's, that's OK. You know, we are secure. So taking that conscious effort to yeah. actually accept that we will have security vulnerabilities, but working as a group and identifying the risks... Mm-hmm. And it's a risk-based approach. Some security vulnerabilities may be okay because the risk of that occurrence is not as high. And then you actually uh, work with all your business leaders and say, okay, here's all the risks that we see from a security perspective. Good. And that's how we work through and, and actually yeah. get the buy-in from all the leadership.
1: And I found, as far as leadership, I found that we had to form that bond, personal bond, because uh, in the beginning, the chief security officer and I butted had Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, good morning, Wes. Remember, your job is to protect by enabling. And he would say, good morning. Your job is to not bring crazy S star star T <laughs> in. Uh-huh. And uh, so we became frenemies, but it really made this, this friendly culture of collaboration. How do how you interact with your chief security Officer,
0: So, you know, I have, I have responsibility for the security today at Iridium. Oh, so it's under you. It's under me. Oh, so you have to fight with yourself. I fight with myself all the time. <laughs> but I think it, it helps because if you truly think about it, I have a chief technology officer mm-hmm. that's separate. So chief information officer, it's okay to lead the security aspects of uh-huh. it because the product security is in the hands of the technology officer. That. So I'm always fighting with that group of people, that group. <laughs> um, but... It is really good to see the the enablement of the security team. So we we've taken that approach. We are supposed to enable without uh, you know friction. So we call yeah. it frictionless governance. Good. So we've been providing that type of uh, features for our organization, yeah. and we continue to seg- you know implement a lot of segregation of um, environments where you know our, our crown jewels reside and and who can access it. So we're very careful about yeah. all of that.
1: So so as a very impressive leader, I know you have a fantastic track record, space is growing leaps and bounds. Uh, The new space economy is, it's 5% cost for each of the components compared to what it cost uh, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so private industry is funding more than government very shortly. So there's a huge competition for that talent. So how do you bring in the talent? How do you train them? And how do you, how do you recruit them? How do you retain them or how do you retrain them if you need to?
0: So let me talk about recruiting. So we have a program called the Orbit program. So what that is, is fresh graduates from college Mm -hmm. who are interested in our space industry. And they get six months experience in all the different departments. So they get to work with all the various departments that we choose who are in that program, and they go in, so they, some of them will go into our uh, network operating center, or they'll work with the space ground, ground space stations, or they'll work with the product teams, and they get the experience of working there. And then right. at the end of these 18 months, they get to decide which group they, oh. they find affinity towards, and we provide that kind of leadership from there. Thanks. we have a very strong internship program as well at iridium uh, last year we had about 49 interns who came to iridium and we keep, we the top people we try to hire them and keep them um, mm-hmm. on, on record and I think space itself is so innovative right um, we are giving a lot of inward movement so people can move from department to department uh, while you know we we have strong educational programs we ha- mm-hmm. we support a lot of Thought leadership, and we have rising stars in our organization that we continue to foster and, and work with. So those are all the programs how we nice. recruit and, and keep our ta- existing talent. Um, I also believe giving that innovation environment and giving that environment of think outside the box mm-hmm. is what keeps people right. If I did not exercise my brain every day, I don't think I'll I'll yeah. be bored. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's the engineering mindset. And I think that's where everybody is, so giving that opportunity for them to think outside.
1: Fantastic. One of the things we did at JPL that was successful uh, was to bring the interns in, and we hired the best of them, and they hired interns. So we, we rejuvenated the organization, but we needed to have projects for them to come in and work on right away. How do you deal with that? How do you So they don't go for training forever and not do anything
0: a very good question so one of the best parts about iridium is the tenure of our people okay right? we've got people who've been with iridium 25 30 years and and so much knowledge exists right and one of the worst things is we've got the tenure, right? And some of them are oh, going to be retiring. And, we had the and same so issue, yeah. And we also grew very organically. A lot of manual mm-hmm. processes existed. So bringing in the interns who understand the process and now are taking the charge of automation, they come up with brightest innovative ideas through that. We hope you're enjoying the discussion. To join the conversation and engage with other business leaders, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection.
1: So you have this disparate age. uh, So that promotes diversity of thought? Absolutely. Do you actively promote diversity of thought?
0: We actually do. So we have a program that um, I was in the uh, first cohort class which is called uplinks. So what this okay. is is it's a whole a clever name. Yeah. yeah. It's basically working with the newer generation of the of the team who are who are less experienced right, with the more senior members who have been more experienced and it's an opportunity for us as senior members to yeah. learn how they want to be managed, how they want to be led and it's an opportunity for them to learn from our experience. So it's one on one, we sit down and we pick up topics and we discuss, we we pick up a book and we read together and it's so that's how we bring in the one of the diverse thoughts it's also the fact that you know diversity is an idea of many things right yes. people thinking outside the box and where you encourage innovation that's where the diversity comes as well so my team will never agree with me um, and if they did agree with me, I'd have a problem with that. Good. Um, so Good. We, we actually have a, a lot of discussions. Um, ultimately, we will make an executive decision sometimes, or they'll convince me to make a decision as they're suggest- suggesting. So I think that's how we, we, are, um, we do the diversity of thought. Our CEO, Matt Dash, he meets with everyone. We are still not Good. such a big organization. Um, but he still meets with everyone one-on-one and tries to get to know them and, and hear their thoughts, and people can be innovative. So he leads our DNI as well.
1: One of the things we're seeing talking to leaders across the world is there's all these new technologies coming, but you have an existing infrastructure with people who resist changes. How do you deal with that whole thing, and how do you bring in new technology into your organization?
0: So you have to think about new technology, Everyone is afraid of what it's going to do to their position, what, what they know today, what their job is. So we as leaders have to understand that insecurity, so to speak, and give them the opportunity to upskill. So, you know, that's the key piece, making sure we are giving them the opportunity to upskill. They may choose that, you know, this is not for us and yeah. go a different route, and you, encourage, you, you're, you provide them the opportunity to do that not no decision is a bad decision right in that, such a scenario so we want to upskill people give them the opportunity for training give them projects and you know i, I encourage
1: them now you have another challenge uh, you're a global organization yes how do you get synergy camaraderie productivity out of these global teams
0: um i actually have a post-it on my laptop it's not out of sight not out good, of mind. Good, because that's uh,
1: so natural.
0: It is very natural, you know. Um, being in technology when COVID hit us a few years ago, COVID. You know,
1: I, yeah, I, know, right? <laughs> I don't remember that.
0: <laughs> uh, I was very excited. I'm like, I'm a technology leader. It should be very easy for my group to to settle. But I was the first person who got so antsy staying at home and working from home all the time. Um, as simple as your body language right what it tells yeah. about you if you sit like this you may just be cold but, <laughs> that's right <laughs> but sitting right next to each other you may experience that yeah but if I'm on a on a team's call or a zoom oh, yeah. call and I sit here and you go she doesn't want to hear what I have to say your body language becomes very critical especially with, your, with different cultures exactly different yeah. cultures I have a team in India we have you know iridium has some teams in London so we've got teams look all over the globe. So trying to understand the common language, trying to understand the cultural differences, yet being respectful of those is very critical.
1: Is there one piece of advice you could give to people that if they have a global team, you should absolutely do this and don't do this?
0: Don't assume. Um, you know, and one of the key things that you, you should do is ask the question. Good. If you're thinking about something, you should ask the question now. A very simple example is we were looking at a solution, and I made an assumption uh-huh. that that person probably understands this. Yeah. The other person made an assumption that I don't have to do that part of it. Neither of us asked the question. Yeah. And it was, it was actually a very simple thing. We were trying to do a report and I wanted the report in a HTML format, uh-huh. and they were thinking I, they were going to give me a PDF format. It was a very simple question. We could have said, I want an HTML format, or can you provide it to me in HTML format? So I think that's one piece of advice I would give. The other piece of advice is assume the question to be just the question. An example is, you know, you come and tell me, hey, this is how I'm doing something. I could say, why did you do this? Yeah. Or, why did you do it this way, right? You could assume it that I'm questioning your judgment of trying to yeah. solve a problem, but I'm just asking you the question, why did you That's do it right. this way? So, if we just put it
1: to that question, I think a lot
0: of uh, the global differences go away. Yeah,
1: and assume no ill intent. Exactly. Now, when we talk about technology and space, mm-hmm. uh, so what are, and of course, sustainability or burning planet So can you talk a little bit about the technologies that you see coming and how they can be sustainable and still maintain the business of of satellites?
0: Let me talk about how Iridium does sustainability first, and then I want to talk about the technology and sustainability. So Iridium works with National Geographic and and Mm -hmm. Smithsonian. You know, we do about detecting poaching and and protecting the animals through the Iridium devices. So they are trackers. And we also work with, you know, uh, something called Rebel Rally, okay. uh, which is basically a whole bunch of women driving, women in STEM most of the time, 2,700 miles. Whoa. This is a not-for-profit without a GPS, so they're using a map with Iridium devices to connect. So oh if their car gets stuck in a dune or somebody needs to pull them out, the trackers are locating them and... They come and res- rescue them. So that's how we are helping from a sustainability uh-huh. perspective, trying to show people that you don't need the electronic uh, GPSs uh-huh. and, and all of that. You can do this. Uh, from a technology perspective, I think the big thing that's going to be in the next six months, 18 months, however long the technology life cycle is today, um, is AI, generative oh, okay. AI. Every every. Booth you go to, or every department, every conference you go to, that's the talk of the town. Cybersecurity and generative AI. How do I secure my systems yep. through generative AI and A
1: responsible generative AI program? Exactly. I mean.
0: Customer care, um, you know, through generative AI. So I think that is one of the biggest technologies. Um, it's it's like you know when we first were talking about big data or you yeah. know, blockchain technology. That's what we are doing with AI right now
1: so one of the things that we talk about is generative ai i talked to 80 executives over the past six months one-on-one uh, hello my name is tom Soderstrom. oh yeah what do you know about generative ai <laughs> everybody wants to know yeah. uh, so one of the things we've discovered is to have a good generative ai you need to have a good strategy good practical data strategy yep. where are you on that journey
0: we are actually in the elementary stages of our data journey if you think about it there is so much data that we have you know if you can put it in silos. I've got telemetry data mm-hmm. that talks about what's happening with the satellites. Yeah. I've got, you know, uh, the billing data, which is telling me how my customer is using the information. And then I have other types of data that will tell me how to react if something's happening to my satellite. So it's that's real time. The other two are non-real time. Yeah. And today, to crunch those numbers, to be able to do certain things, it takes us Days, not hours, but days. So to be able to put that and centralize, so that's the journey we are on today to centralize the data and modernize it and take that into the next leap of being able to build AI models around it to be able to Good. provide the answer so you can make decisions based on the responses from the data so you could be more a interactive data session.
1: Good. Let me throw you a curveball. Okay. Uh, one thing that I think is underhyped is Internet of Things. Because Internet of Things is going to become Internet of Medical Things, Internet of Space Things. Mm-hmm. So if you can put AI on the satellite, now all of a sudden you can have IoT and AI together treat the satellite as one unit, as, as if they're on the ground. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? When I talk about the telemetry data
0: or the decision mm-hmm. process, which is the real-time data crunching, yeah. that is what you're using yeah. the data from a satellite perspective and being able to action it. But I think I. think you know, we keep talking about generative AI, AI, and, and, and all of that. I think we should focus more on AI and, and work through that aspect of it and make sure that people know how to train the models and, and, and build the models, and then we can use that towards the generative well said. AI.
1: Yeah. Uh, so what advice would you give to these future leaders, uh, current leaders and future leaders uh, of What are some of the key learnings that you think, Mm -hmm. and then the future leaders will, actually the ones who will become our future leaders, how do they do that?
0: The one advice I will be sharing with everyone, I think it's an advice that I can share with myself every day, is, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes and don't be afraid to own up to those mistakes. And the future leaders is always be in the constant path of learning. Because today, when I sit down with some of my uh, fresh entrants into the workforce and I do a roundtable with them or or any conversations uh, in the kitchen or any of that, I learn so much yeah. from, from just the enthusiasm that they bring. And I think what we as future leaders and as, as we continue to evolve have to learn is that never be close minded about learning because right. you're going to learn every single day. You don't know where that's coming from.
1: So to wrap up, what is your
0: favorite leadership principle? My leadership principle is, there is several, right? They say servant leadership. And I think those are all cliched words. I will say my job as a leader is to empower my team and get out of the way for them to go forward and make the decisions and make it better. And if there is impediments, take those impediments and provide air cover.
1: Good. No, I love it. For me, it's, I love the concept of the one-way doors and the two-way yeah, doors. You yeah. know that one? Yes. So uh, where a one-way door the CEO has to make because so it's hard to come back. Two-way door, you can just come back and try things. That's yep. the experiment. Yep. And uh, most things are two-way doors, so push those decisions out. Well, thank you, Manjula. This was fantastic. I learned a lot from you. Uh, really appreciate you coming here and uh, spending the time with us and about future leadership
0: and thank you Tom for having me it's been fantastic just getting to know you and having this conversation with you thank you thank you Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. For more on these topics, visit aws.amazon.com slash executive insights. While there, be sure to learn more about AWS Exec Leaders, an invite-only global community for business and technology leaders.